Jesus, when you look at his life, forget the all, oh, forget us. <laughs> forget you, forget me, forget we ain't we ain't gonna be that picture for you. <laughs> right? But if you just look at Jesus' life, the way he interacted with the people, the woman at the well, this other person. Part of it is that your highest identity isn't anything that you can construct or experience yourself. So I think in the world, people make your highest identity, your sexuality, your this, your that, your that. No, your, your highest, highest identity, identity is that, that you, you are, are a child, child of God. What's going on, family? This is Lawrence Aja, host, community builder, man, and you are now tuned into the Unconventional Christian Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Unconventional Christian Podcast, and I am your host, Ladoon Thompson, and I am sitting here with the amazing Lawrence Aja. What's going and, on, King? What's and going you know, on, King? it's so crazy just being Nigerian, you know, even saying Aja, I'm, I'm like, am I saying it correctly? <laughs> Aja, man, is the same, but this, 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 this the Ghanaian King folk that got some Aja last name, so we got to figure that out. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to figure yeah, that's, that's crazy, Aja though. Tete, like, right? Between Soccer Ghana player. and um, mm -hmm, Nigeria. Mm -hmm. That's a crazy mix right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so before we get this um, started, um, I want to uh, bow our heads for prayer. Almost that. Father God, thank you for bringing us here on this beautiful day to have this conversation uh, between myself and Lawrence. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity, for this space. Father God, we're asking that you allow us to sit down and you stand up and take control of this conversation Please, and I'll allow it to be pivotal, allow it to be unconventional, allow mm. it to be um kingdom work father god we That's know god. that you are in control we thank you in advance and we are gonna do this in jesus name we pray in amen. jesus name amen let's get it amen yeah. yo yeah. bro yeah i know it's been a long time coming trying to get us to this bro, place, bro, bro i'm like <laughs> miami we did we did but we, we we made it happen in due time yes sir so um first off um, to anybody who doesn't know who Lawrence Aja is, please just give us a small rundown on who you are. Uh, most definitely, man. Uh, child of God, son of uh, Lawrence and Cornelia Aja, born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, raised in Piscataway, New Jersey. Um, you know, I, I, I've been, my heart's been around building communities and, and, and hosting conversations that unite, heal, and transform lives. Uh, my first career, track and field. You know, we get injured, but it's not one of them barbershop conversations. You know what I'm saying? We're like, I was back in the day. I was, um, yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, just, you know, Facebook started on my campus, but my classmate, and I just saw fundamentally how brothers and sisters were relating to each other was changing. Mm -hmm. And you had people who are high performing, but disconnected. You know how we kind of came up, you know, your aunties, your uncles, you weren't even related. You knew everybody. Our generation is a little bit different, a little bit more disconnected. And right. so that drew my work. I um, ended up starting an organization that, uh, you know, was hosting dinners around the world. And that was a beautiful movement. Um, but then ultimately, I just saw the power of conversation and a particular in our community, the need for people to talk, brothers right. and sisters to talk. So those are the two steps, uh, kind of high to high level sets of work that I do and uh, that I do today, man. Oh, fire, fire. And um Tell us about your Nigerian background, man. Via <laughs> <laughs> Nigeria, man. Usually, man, coming up, uh, people are like, yo, where you from? Where you from, man? I was just like, yo, my mom's from Akwaiba. My dad's Cross River, mm -hmm. Kalaba. Um, and, you know, our three sisters, man. And so, Niger, you know how it is, man. We everywhere. Right, um, right, right. Uh, but, but, you know, it was one of those things where you kind of had, like, two cultures, right? right. You know, I, I was, my sister was born there. I wasn't okay. born at home. So, I was born in. Oh, I know it? No, Bassi. Bassi, the oldest Bassi. Okay. Second sister, Inawa. Uh, a last sister MM, which is my youngest sister. Okay, and so kind of like the dynamic at home was like you were at home, right. and then when you left, you were in America. <laughs> right, right, right. So you never lived in Nigeria. I never lived in Nigeria, but I what's, visited. What's the longest stint you did in Nigeria? Uh, like three months. 
Three months. Yeah, we call it a stint because uh, <laughs> just I'm telling you, like being I'm saying being who I am. Um, my parents told me I was going to Nigeria for a summer and it ended up being five years. So. <laughs> don't get, don't get Wasn't pulled. it the threat though? Sometimes it's kind of like you keep messing around. You about to, we gonna send you home. To Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, now one of the biggest things in in, in Nigerian culture mm-hmm. is uh, faith. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Faith is a big thing and it plays a big part. Mm-hmm. So um, my question for you is: mm-hmm. um, How has just like being a Nigerian man and coming from culture, like how's the Christian faith been? Because um, for me, I know just coming up as a Nigerian, you're like you're born, you're Christian. That's that. <laughs> no way around it. Yep, yep. And that's it. So for you, um, coming up in a Nigerian household, um, how was Christianity um, introduced to you? Yeah, man. It, it, this is kind of interesting, man, because similar to you, man, it felt like a citizenship. <laughs> it yeah. was just like, you Nigerian, you Christian, right? Right, you know? exactly. And that's how I thought about it early on because, in, in, you know, we prayed as a family. My dad and mom always talked about faith. We went to church. You know, we weren't kind of like we lived in church every week, but we went there when you need, <laughs> you right, know, on a consistent right. basis. But it was one of those assumed things, right, in, in the home. So it kind of set a foundation where I just believed the importance of the reverence for God, um, the importance of just like giving and recognizing we don't have the things that we have my parents didn't have anything like most many sort they have anything and mm-hmm. just seeing them hustle they were always pointing up to god so for me it was just it was like an, a culture of faith uh that was i, I think i re- what i really experienced but i don't think i really um it really didn't hit until yeah i really left and then it kind of was just like all right beyond the culture why do i believe what i believe but they set the foundation in terms of just what they said Mm-hmm. how we moved as a family and all the things that we went through of not having money, what, what we're going to do to pay my sister's tuition. My dad and mom would openly say, we don't know, but God's going to provide. So there was kind of this thing of like real life, their faith, yeah. and how they're leaning upon God to kind of make it through and get what we need to get. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's, that, I mean, that's exactly how it was for me. Um, just coming up, you know, my parents naturally uh, being born, I was born in Atlanta, but we moved to Nigeria and it was almost like a culture shock for me because <laughs> it was like now I was under I was living with my my um my father's mother mm-hmm. and she was like a disciplinarian. <laughs> so come Sunday morning, we're getting up, we're going to church, we get to church at like ten AM, we're not leaving till five thirty, six PM. During the week on Wednesdays, we're walking through the streets bruh, bruh, with pamphlets bruh, talking about bruh. some praising the Lord. <laughs> uh, like we're doing that the whole every week. We're walking. So I know what evangelism looks like you on the like craziest, uh, most extreme totem pole. Yes, I know what evangelism did you, did looks you, like. Did you get the cleaning soundtrack? Huh? The cleaning or you in trouble soundtrack? The cleaning <laughs> or you in trouble soundtrack is your mom singing like like gospel Nigerian gospel songs while she's cleaning and or while you about to be in trouble and they remix it. Oh, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, the Lord, but these children will not kill me. We we got them lyrics early. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean one thing with uh, just coming into the space of faith, yeah. like. For you, when did you uh, first develop your own personal relationship with God? Yeah, yeah. There were stages. And so one story I always tell was that um, I was in seventh grade film 
movies was big in my house. My mm -hmm. dad collected records, CDs, you know, those dollar CDs, Columbia joints right, and all right. that. But um, movies, as I remember waking Columbia up in the middle. Columbia House. The Columbia House joint with the big pamphlet that it says sense, but you know, People it's about to hit you. People still in debt for that. Bruh, bruh, <laughs> got you, man. And um, we had the Betamax, everything. But I woke up in the middle of the night and uh, I remember watching this movie, Demi Moore, Seven Signs, the most wonky movie. Don't even get, don't even judge me on that. Seven what? Seven Sign. Okay. Right. So I woke up in the middle of the night. It was one of those things where you wake up in the middle of the night, turn on the TV, and you kind of keep it low because you ain't supposed to be up. Right. And I'm watching it, and it was like about Revelation, the end of the world. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm just watching it. And because I loved movies and stuff like that, it just took me away and it just prompted something to me like, wow, if the world did end, like, does God know I'm here? You know, and uh, man, it, it's, it wasn't just that it scared me. It was just I genuinely like we keep talking about God, but like with all these people, does do I like does he see me? Does he know that like I kind of like want to know him? Yeah. And from that moment, um, I, I call like the Santa Claus prayers, man. I started going to my to my window before every night. I've never missed the night going to the window and just talking to God like he was just like, hey, God, I'm here. You know, I know you be in a space somewhere. And that was even kinda, now, bruh, 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 but not like that anymore. Yeah, right? yeah, but, yeah. but it was just like, yo, I need to talk to him. I want him to know that I'm here. And then through that time, man, it kind of pushed, it pushed, it pushed. And then it was in my 20s, right? Where, again, I was kind of coasting on, you know, culture, go to church, be a good man. Right. And, bro, I was in church one day, man. And it was like I was after I came back to New York, I finished track and in Austin, came back to New York. And I was out, I was at in, uh, in, in, a, in a church in Brooklyn. And, bro, the pastor said, yo, turn to the book of Micah. Everybody know that flip ministry. That mm -hmm. flip ministry where you know where the book is. Yeah. No, no, I, <laughs> I, I was, was I, I was that guy, bro, bro. I was flipping, and there was there was a beautiful sister to the left, and I think she was looking to. I'm flipping heat, just sweat. Like I'm no, sitting there, and I'm bro, like, yo, I'm telling you, like, this is, <laughs> yo, yo. The crazy part is, I'm breaking, I'm breaking yeah. the fourth wall here. Yemi, yo, he knows, yo, <laughs> yo. Tell him about from there. You can yell it out, but about. My Bible skills in church. Uh, he was the champion, grand champion. <laughs> and it got so bad, he was beating all the adults that they told him, they, the pastor said one day that we, we don't want the kids to read the Bible anymore. Because <laughs> it stops the flow of the anointing. <laughs> <laughs> he was that good. That they had to like, censor him from the pulpit. Fam, <laughs> fam. Yo, bruh, bruh. I've been unconventional, Bruh, bruh, fam, fam. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, but that but that came from from being in Nigeria too, though, because when I went to Nigeria, you went there and you had to learn Genesis, Exodus, Levit Leviticus, mm -hmm. Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, mm -hmm. True, First Kings, Second Kings. So learning that, then it was easy to like flip. Like my finger just knew. Bruh, me bruh. and my my thumb are two <laughs> oh, different people. Knew where you. <laughs> <laughs> but, bro, man, man, but but that was my awakening because, like, I think you could coast on the culture of faith for so long. And, and, and there's this shame because I know so much, because mm -hmm. I'm so educated, because right. I've been around. I should know more. Right. And it, it was just like, no, I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm. Like, it was a shame of, like, no, I've been coasting. I know a couple of scriptures. I try to be a good guy, but I really don't know the foundation. And at that stage, I prayed to God. I was like, God, help me. And it wasn't until I went to California, bro, what, like, I was just like, God, I've applied my, my intellect, my work ethic to everything but getting to know about you. Mm. And it was just that, it, it just hit me like a rock, man. And I remember at that time, went to a church out in Cali, met a brother out there. And he literally, at the end of it, he was kind of like, yo, man, never seen you, man. You want to you study the Bible? And you feel all this pride. Like, I'm educated. I've been around church. I'm, you know, I, I tithe. I, and I was like, yeah. And, bro, we studied. And then beyond that, I just got this hunger, like, Holy Spirit hunger to, like, study the Bible. Read it cover to cover, studied it inside out. 
And that's when like things went on fire. So I won't say it was just one moment, right. but there were just kind of like cascaded stages where mm-hmm. I think God was just like, let's make this real. Right. Don't just be the culture from the outside in. You know a couple of scripture, you coasting. Like you, I've given you everything, right. but you've applied it. You've applied all of that power and strength and, and, and mind to everything but getting to know, me, know you. So it, it became real. Mm. Where I no longer felt not less confident in God as I did about every other part of my life. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that was, uh, that was a couple of the shifts for me, man. Wow, wow. So so you, you never had a dark soul of the night moment? Bro, clearly. Like, you know, um, you know I, I think there were dark side of night of the soul, but these were happening in parallel, right? Mm. So the first kind of dark night of the soul was, uh, you know, when, my, when my, my brother, one of my good, good friends from high school passed away. I was in college. And it was one of those things where I never really dealt with death in that right. way. And, uh, you know, I realized even in that moment where I was kind of like, I just didn't, my motivation hit me. I had all these regrets like, man, you know, I went out to school. I didn't connect with him. But it was also a second piece when I got injured. Right. You know, mm. track and field. I think a lot of people who if you're born here, you have an identity crisis. Right. right? You're like, you're not Nigerian enough for the Nigerians. Yeah. And you're not yeah. American enough for the yummy. Know I mean? And so you in this in between. And so for me, I kind of saw track and field as my opportunity to go back and represent Nigeria as my like, ha. I got the patch now. Right. So I'm like, got national champ, all that. I'm like, yeah, let me hit that. So when I got injured, you forget your identity, bro. I was like, who am I? Exactly. God, what am I going to do? And so I think those were two moments when I was like, I'm not really sure. At least those are the early parts of my life. But bro, Dark Knight of Soul, man, I got, got, bro, you how much time you got? (laughs) I'm going to go to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Nah, that's, um, I I, I learned that from um, listening to conversations with, uh, what's Gary, what's his name? Which one, Gary Chapman? he has a book called the um oh my god love languages no nah. no nah, he's somebody he, he uh you know what we'll talk about it later I was like, I not gary remember. v gary good like who you gary got? god forget i ain't even gonna go it's gonna it's gonna hurt you it's, gonna gonna hurt me. It's, hurt, it's hurting me right now so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna let it be though um but now for you uh just being a christian man now in this day and age mm. why is christianity getting such a bad frap man oof that's a blue ocean question, brother, man. Um, I think, number one, hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's one of those things where there's not, there's not a clearinghouse for, for, for Christians. Like, you yeah. know, like it's not an NCA clearinghouse where everybody, I thought I was Christian even before I was baptized, right? right? So, you know, everybody who claims to be Christian is not Christian. And also, you're human beings. And I think there are people who've been hurt, deeply, right. deeply hurt um, by the church um, and where of all places in the world, that should be the, the safest place of all places right. in the world. That should be the place where uh, you feel welcome. Uh, you could come as you are and be challenged, but just feel like who you are fully is accepted. Um, and I think because people have been hurt and then a lot of that's connected to people that they care for, whether, it, you know, they were, you know, tied to church or they saw their parents all up in the church and doing well, but at home they treated them some type of way. I think there's a bad rap because there's there's still bad wounds that are still kind of like not really dealt with. Um, I think too, because it's also been politicized, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Christianity does not fall into any uh, political party. Um, but I think now when people view Christianity, especially in America, it's kind of like right Republican this. Yeah. And so now it's all connected together. And so I think that's one of the challenges. And I think three, in some sense, the bad rap is inevitable too. So that's why I'm asking, I'm giving the three reasons in the sense that, you know, Christianity in every part of the early church was not viewed positively. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus was not viewed positively. People right. were not viewed positive. So I think there's some part of it we have to accept that it's never going to be universally accepted. Right. Uh, um, it's always going to be on the fringe, but the first two I think is pain, man. 
people who've been really, really hurt by people, by institutions, um, and then by people close to them that didn't really match up to what they believe the scripture is supposed to have. Mm. So now for kingdom workers, people who are out here doing mm. uh, kingdom work, what can we do to um, change that narrative? Uh, number one, I think particularly given my heart, I think relationships um, are, are so important. Um, right. I talked about the issue of loneliness. I don't think people fully understand that this is, this is bigger than we think, man. You know, um, this for the first time in history, we have a whole population of brothers and sisters now going into their like late thirties, early forties. Not, you know, they're not companion, not in families. So they're kind of by themselves right. and they're kind of like that. And so when life's happening, people are falling off. So in some sense, the way we do our friendships, right. the way we kind of endure in this kind of like, fair weather thing where it's like no we have to be good friends <laughs> good right. neighbors to people that's number one number two i think we have to be doing work that blesses the city that blesses right. everyone it doesn't it's not just a church christian thing it's like yo whether or not you come to church whether you know you i'm this is going to help you and i think too often when people see christianity we think that we have to do work that's on the margins only for the church it's like no we're called for the world Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the type of work that we have to do, man, that's why I mean, I love, you know, from, from, from even the work that you do is like covered by God. And it's like anybody could wear this. Right. Anybody connect. That's something that people see, right? So it's just like loneliness, p getting people together, talking about stuff that affects brothers and sisters. Right. That affects everybody. Um, and I think three, uh, there's a part of us modeling, right? You know, I think the type of communities, the type of families you want in the world. You could say all you want, Right. But if they're like, yo, there's something different about how they connect. There's right. something different about how they collaborate. There's something different about how their families operate. Right. You know what I mean? I think that, <clears throat> more than anything else, is going to get people to want to move. And, like, they'll see the light. You can't, you can't deny that energy. You can't. And so I think that's why even just, like, like, how we lock arms, how we do things, I think that sets a standard uh, for people in terms of, man, yo, of all the things breaking apart in this world, that's something that gives me hope. And so right. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, some of the ways that we can kind of do work, um, but obviously it's innumerable. Right, right. And um, just like that specific work you're talking about as far as being unconventional, because mm. um, I think that there's this judgment, like a lot of people want to work in this judgment-free zone. <laughs> and so when we say that, um, what, does, what does the phrase, all sinners are welcome, uh, mean to you? Hmm. <laughs> Man, it means all of us are welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, um, um, I think the judgment-free zone, I think, is one of those things where at the end of the day, uh, Lord and Savior, right? You know, uh, God as like the, we love the Savior. Right. Um, we all could recognize our need for something greater. But the Lord, the authority part is something scary. And I think uh, the way the world was supposed to be was that you were, at, you were able to have some proxy for Authority, healthy right. authority. And when you don't have that, if, if dad and mom weren't aligned, if, if the school or the church you're part of or the job where authority wasn't necessarily done or the country wasn't necessarily administered in the ways that, that prospered you, right. you kind of don't have a positive view about anyone uh, saying that there is up and then there's down, there's right. left and right. But I think the love has to come. Right. People have to feel that first. So when I say, when you say sinners are all welcome, number one, I say that I'm welcome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, it means that all people who are imperfect, who will never be perfect, um, have a place to go. And I, and I think that the, the truth is, is that um, 
we believe the lie, and I think this is what I was talking about in my 20s, that, yo, I'm, my capacity, my smarts, my things right. makes me great. And then life happens. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Life and, happens. And, like, yo, people don't, you know, people don't re- relate to the superheroes, man. They, they, they relate to the underdogs. And so there's something to be said about because if we're honest, everybody relates to that moment of weakness, then I think a place where everybody, if I call that moment of weakness, if I call where I fall short uh, sin or missing the mark, then I think that the fact that there's a place where I'm welcome no matter what, where people are going to cut me off when I, I fall short, when, people, when I disappoint people, they're going to chuck, you know, that's what it means, that there's right. a place for everybody. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, because I, I think that a lot of people, and for me, one of my biggest things is being um, what I would call an unconventional Christian. One of the big things for me is figuring out how we can focus more on the relationships mm. over it is than religion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And for me, I can... Um, there's not one person or party that I can isolate and say I can't rock with you because I look at everybody as deserving of grace um, nonetheless of mm-hmm. their situation, who they are, where they've been, even the people that, that, that are, that may not like, uh, me and what my movement stands for, mm. I still give them grace and, and it, grace. And it's something that you constantly have to work on, um, working that grace muscle <laughs> because there are times when you find yourself in spaces and you don't want to give people grace because you feel like, no, they they went out their way to hurt me. Mm. But you can't. The one thing about just grace is that you can't pick and choose <laughs> who you want to give grace to. You man, it's a high, it's a high, it's a high order, man. <clears throat> Why connect on 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 this theme so much is the fact that you know people thought when I went to seminary, bro, mm-hmm. I went to business school. You know, my parents are entrepreneurs. I came around people hustling, right? right. So um, that when I went to seminary, it was because I didn't want to go. <laughs> I wanted like it, it was because I wanted to become this pastor and traditional pastor and I was like no I never want I never even people call me I'm like <clears throat> right it was because I said yo it was not because I'm afraid of the highest I, it, that that's overwhelming right? right I mean the high standard that all of us have who say right. that we relate or are connected to to God but to Christ we have a high standard right. but it wasn't the, the the height it was the width it was the box that you get placed in around what work you can do, what things you can say, what you're not allowed to do, what you're not allowed to drive, what you're not allowed to. And I just said, no, God has given me so many gifts right. and given me so many burdens around the world, loneliness, this, that. I don't want to be relegated to your limited conceptions of what I should do because you put the title of pastor on me right. because of that. And so I definitely, definitely relate to that, that the unconventional piece to say, I'm not trying to be unconventional for unconventional sake. I'm trying to do what, the, what my father told me to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want to be limited by your standard. And I think that requires grace too. Right. Because even when you're trying to do this, there are people still going to be like, you out, of, you out of pocket fam, or they don't like you. And as I was like, Hey man, that's why it's a high order. Right, right, right. So, in that unconventional space, one thing that we talk about is um, what are your thoughts and um, as far as even like the LGBT community, mm. LGBTQI community, mm-hmm. um, because I think for me, it's um, 
you know, a lot of people look at it as one. I think people choose to say one sin is bigger than the other. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I think and these conversations for me are important because I know a lot of people that I'm surrounded with who are friends that are part of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure, like for me, it's like I can only I, I love giving love to my people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I want them to feel welcome. I want them to feel like because sometimes they'll be like, oh, um, it's the simplest thing of being mm. like. On social media, and you like, you live or something, and, your, and, and a friend of mine was like, yo, let me not get in your picture because I don't want people, because that person yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. is part of the LGBT community. He's a gay man. And it's like, oh, let me back up because you're, you know, you're the pastor. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm being put in the box. You know what I mean? And I think it's so easy for us to isolate folks. And that's where it comes down to why people are so like, torn on christian faith as it is yeah man i'm grateful you even brought that up one thing i had to arrive at is whether the faith that i felt i had in my 20s was truly the faith that god was really offering me and offering the world and i think that's a humbling thing number one for anybody no matter whether you've been hurt or not is saying is my perception what it really is because that could still affirm your experience by recognizing like you know what that wasn't the faith what they're representing isn't the faith of my father. Everybody talk about Frederick Douglass. He's like, yo, we don't, well, we don't, we don't, we don't worship the, the faith of our slave masters. Right. <laughs> we worship the faith of the father. So th- that's number one. I think two, bro. That's a good quote uh, right there. The, 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 the second piece is that part of the reason why I think Christianity for me is so freeing, and I'm, I'm not even selling Christianity or anything like that. Right. Relationship or Jesus is so dope is that Jesus, when you look at his life, forget the all, forget us. Forget you, forget me, forget we ain't we ain't gonna be that picture for you, right? But if you just look at Jesus's life, the way he interacted with people, the woman at the well, this other person, like he, part of it is that your highest identity isn't anything that you can construct or experience yourself, right? So I think in the world, people make your highest identity your sexuality, your this, your that, your that. No, if your your highest identity is that you are a child of God, right? Yeah. And so because of that, I don't see that. I can appreciate the elements of of you, all of us, all of us are not the way God designed us in in Genesis. I'm not, you're not. But when I see you, I don't see that as your highest identity. I see as your child. And if people truly believe that, they wouldn't treat anybody any different. They wouldn't love people any different. And I think that's the thing you miss. Our highest identity isn't anything else. And that's why for me, I'm like, no, it's not going to change how I move. People see how I move, dinners, everything like that, nothing changes. My best friend, my best, my my, my gentleman who's going to be right with me at at the altar, LGBTQ fam been rocking with it. Nothing changed. Mm. Nothing changed because he's just like, yo, you see the highest identity. We, there's never even a conversation that come up. My closest one, closest dudes, you know what I'm saying? Closest sisters. And so I think if people truly believe what Jesus said, that your highest identity is the fact that you're a child of God, then you would look at every child of God, like they're a child of God first Mm. and nothing else would come in the way of that. Right. Right. And that's real. When you said that, like, um, I think, one of my highest goals or models as far as being a Christian is my capacity for love. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. My capacity to give love unconditionally, mm. without conditions, not because of what somebody can do for me. <laughs> so um, now, like, kind of running back to something you said, you spoke about how when you got hurt and um, playing during track, and you mm. also spoke about when you lost a friend mm. um, now that touches on mental health mm. and mental health in um, the Christian uh, community has not been integrated as best 
in the in the Christian in the church yeah. has not been integrated as easily as it should mm. maybe I mean I think now the conversation is becoming more prevalent yeah. you know what I'm saying when we're talking about a little bit more than just praying it away because <laughs> so many people are dealing with mental health issues during those times that you went through those things um how did you deal with that time would you consider it depression uh, I, I don't know, man, but uh, you know, if there, if there is one, I definitely, and the reason why I'm not sure is because, you know, depression is a serious thing. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to lighten by saying that, but I would very well probably say that it was right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 or at least flashes of it. Um, yeah, because the, I mean, there are people who suffer from depression and then there are moments where we are depressed. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. saying? So that it doesn't mean because you were depressed during this period of time that you suffer from depression. Exactly. There was something that caused it. But then there are people in life that certain things have triggered depression to kick off in their life and it's just spiraled out of control. Yeah. So like for you, when you got when you were in that space, what was something that you used to do and um handle at the time versus now and how would you handle it now yeah before and this is uh, you know unfortunate it was like it was a gift and a curse at that time it was movies Mm. i locked myself i had i have the biggest people know i have the biggest dvd movie collection (laughs) you know i'm saying i would lock myself in my room you know i'm saying i was doing all stuff on campus i was doing all these things and then i just would watch movies and that's how, you know, like it also, it cultivated my love and my collection, right. right? Which is a positive thing. So that's why I love stories. Right. But at the same time, it was so isolated, right? And I'm, I'm like one of those extrovert, intro, introvert, extroverts, right? You right. know what I mean? I'm good around group of people. I love gathering people, but I get my energy back in solitude. Right. But the danger of that is that I, I was, I was in that, in my own thoughts for such a long time. Right. But, you know, I'm 10 plus years deep in, you know, counseling, man. I believe in it. I believe in therapy. I believe in the power of that. And I think it's because sometimes there's, there's, we've lacked nuance. Yes. There are, you know, you have to recognize the gifts of the body. And I think there's also this view of like mentorship. And so I think at this time I was just like, I just want to be my best. I want to be who God has called me to be. Mm. If he's gifted brothers and sisters around me who have the ability to help me kind of go on a path to just go deeper on what I understand what's going on with me mentally. I want to do that. That's a gift that he's given them. I want to give them space, but I also don't make that my God. So that's what I'm saying is nuanced to say my faith also in in these things all play together and it's all integrated. And so shout out, shout out Shanti Da, shout out uh, my people, my, 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 my boy, Renshawn, all those people who are doing a great work on mental health. But yeah, man, I, it, I believe in it and I, 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 I encourage it heavily. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to stop that joint. It's been right. important. Okay. So now one thing I know I see you do, you do, I've seen you've done a couple weddings. Yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how yeah. many weddings do you know how exact number you have on the belt? I think 11. 11, yeah, fire, fire. Yeah. Did you counsel these people? Yes. Th- these couples before? How important is ca- uh, couples counseling? How important is couples counseling <laughs> prior to... My bossy. Bruh, it is critical because you, re- you recognize, right, you know, that um, usually a lot of the conversations you think you have, they're not, you've not had. Mm. And, and, and I think, I, I, gotta, I gotta speak on this. Uh, marriage takes skill. And so a lot of people are like, who's this, it's, you know, like whether Jesus or Paul, single men who are giving you a God inspired word. Right. The reality is it's like, we think that it's just like relationship graduation and marriage reveals you. It's mm. a mirror and it's a window. Right. And I think the reality is so many of people in our community, particularly in the West are coming out of situations where they didn't see that together. 
that was your first model of actually skills, the right. skill to be a husband, the skill to be a wife. It takes skill. Wow. And so I think more than anything else, number one, uh, it, it's important to kind of be clear about expectations, mm-hmm. be clear about some maybe potential challenge areas because these things are not going to be perfect on this side of glory. Right. You never, they, my parents have been together in their 50 years and I've seen everything, <laughs> everything, right? You know, <laughs> but... They, but there were certain baseline things that were there aligned on that they don't they could finish each other's on these on these specific yeah. topics. So I think number one, it, it, it pulls out the expectations that people don't even know they have of the other person, mm-hmm. and usually that pours out of our family experience mm-hmm. and often sometimes our hurt. And then two, recognizing that you actually both have to develop skills. And I think if the biggest thing more than anything else is that I think it's healthy to be humbled before you get into marriage. Because I think more than anything else, humility is the most important part. So I would say those who have come together, I've loved that. I don't, I don't take any couple if they don't, I will not marry a couple if they do not have, do premarital counseling. I mm. will not like just, you know. I'm uh, just not jumping in I'm front not of you. No, because you're saying that I bless this, mm-hmm. right? And you have to, your job is to serve them. And we're not just out here. We, we care more about the, the marriage than the wedding. Right. So I ain't out here for Instagram pics. It's like, no, because if, if you guys are healthy and stay together, this gives people a picture of God. They're like, oh, something could be permanent. Something can last. Oh, wow, my relationship, that relationship is possible. Right. Wow. So um, what's one of the biggest things that, um, what's one of the biggest things that causes, that leads for d- divorce that you've seen? Oof. Lack of humility. <laughs> humility. Lack of humility. Because people typically say, you know, like uh, self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. You know, selfishness, uh, uh, finance, communication. Finance is the number one yeah, thing. I yeah, hear. finance. You know, but it's it's. I think it's humility, right? Um, and you know, it, you both are. You know, for, if you're uh, both are should be growing, malleable. And I think why there's a ke- I think there's like a powder keg for our, our generation now is that we're doing it later. That's not necessarily a bad thing, right? The challenge is that the older you get, the more set in your ways you are. Mm. The more it's just like my life, this is how it is. This person need to fit in. And you yeah. have the brother and the sister saying the same thing. Right. It's not yeah. going to work. Right. You both have to be willing to learn. You both have to be willing to be like, you know what? Don't take the things personal. You have to allow that person to correct you. Mm-hmm. You can't accountability. Come in. Accountability. And you, bro, we, you know, <laughs> I was laughing at a post you had one time. It's just like, what I'm correct you is not the time to bring up. <laughs> Yo, I was laughing because I, because that's real. Bro, you, you and I both, we talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so I think if you have a relationship where you both can't correct each other, you can't be accountable, both of you be accountable where you can individually stand on an island and be like, I fell short. And you're not trying to divide and, you know, you know, Mayweather shoulder, you know, but both of us, if you could do that, you will last. Right. Because I've seen moments, whether it's in my parents' life, mental life, where both of them could be that could be, sit on an island and just be like, you know what? I messed up. I'm committed to doing forward. And they don't try to pass it and they own it and move. And if you have two people who are still learning, they're not set in their ways. They're not too, too above them. You could do anything, even if you're imperfect. Mm. Humility, bro. I, I say humility. Okay, good, good. This is this is getting this is getting warm <laughs> right here. Um, so when it comes to uh, love, right? Yeah. Like now, two people walking together on this journey. Mm. Um, what is some advice that you have for? You know, I'll say this for women because I have a lot of women followers, right? Yeah. What is uh, what is some advice you would give to women in picking a, a male partner? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Especially women of faith, I'll say that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say this because I don't think that this is said often, and I, and I do say this often. 
you have to pick a brother that you can listen to. And here's what I mean by that. To make oh, sure you, you scared really, him because yeah. all they heard was submissive. Yeah, exactly. Now. I didn't say that. Here's what I mean by that. Yes. You know, I think women will all agree that they want a man that they admire. Right. That they respect. Right. That they're like, he motivates me to want to be better. Right. Right. And so you have to imagine, I'm just using this as a proxy. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest proxies is just like, when he, like, do I want to just learn from him? Right. Like, when he says something, it's not that everything he says, but, like, in general, I have a listening disposition, and that's usually an indication that you have respect for a person mm. because you listen more than you talk. Right. And I think uh, because I believe that God has called women to respect their husband and husband to love your wife, it doesn't mean that. It right. just means that uniquely for women, right. you have to have a admiration disposition towards, your, towards that guy. And if you don't have that, I respect, I look... You know, like, I just, he could teach me something. Right. I could, it ain't going to work. And right. I do, you find a lot of situations where, at the, especially where you have women who are educated, who are doing extremely well, they, they want somebody who's, quote, unquote, their equal, mm-hmm. right? Even though your equal shouldn't just be tied to your career. That's a whole conversation, right? right? <laughs> but, but I would just say that that's important. Number two, again, you have all this conversation, six figure this, if he can't get me, a, you know what I'm saying? I ain't. You know what I'm saying? We, we got friends who said, so I ain't, I ain't got, coming at him. What I will say is that choose a guy or accept the proposal of a guy who has vision and who has work ethic. Because at the end of the day, you can't control what the world happens. People over the past year, jobs have been lost. People have been at life for you. Have, you can't control too many things. All so right. if you're saying this guy don't have nothing, this guy don't have nothing. Yo, my dad had nothing. My, my people had, not, had nothing. And it flipped. Because my mom believed. She right. believed in him, and then boom. And then when things are good, it's like, oh, wow, we always knew. It's like, no, you were telling me to leave him. Right, 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 right. And so I would say that you can't teach work ethic. Okay. Vision. And so I said, number one, a guy that you could see yourself like, wow, you respect him, and you could, you could ever see yourself listening. And two, right. a, a guy with vision and work ethic. Right. And if a guy has work ethic, it, you, you could, you, no matter what happens, he's going to find a way. Right. And that's somebody that you want to get, get behind because he can't control whether they boxing him out for this job or boxing him out. But if he's still working, that's going to keep you motivated to want to want to support that guy. Fire. Okay. And what is your advice to the brothers? <laughs> <laughs> Brother, you and I, we are, we are saying this as a uh, as shoulder to shoulder brothers, man. Um, uh, number one, um, I would say a, a woman that brings you peace. Peace. There is something about being a black man in this world, not just in the West, where you're going out and you're dealing with a lot. And especially if you are motivated and you want to serve people, you are pouring out sun up to sundown. Right. You need to come home where you are helped. Someone can, helps create a condition to you be to, to be restored. Right. And I think that uh, peace is there's a piece that you can call out externally and there's right. a piece that you just feel like, right. yo, when I come, I can, men want peace. Right. And so I think a woman that brings you peace um, is very, very important. And two, I do believe that, uh, you know, a, a, a woman that receives you, right. you know, where you feel respected, mm. where you feel, you have to feel respected. Right. And I think that's important because that's going to motivate you. And I always say that, yo, like my daddy even talked about it. It's just like, yo, when you see that a woman's like all, completely is all in with you, you'll die for that. You're like, you'll go through a wall. You're like, yo, I'm getting up. I don't want her. Like, you, you, it motivates you to want to do more when you right. feel people are behind you. 
And so you have to feel that this woman fully receives you, fully like respects you. Like, yo, I can hear him. I'm really down what he's doing. If you get a sense that she's on, she's really on, 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 on point with what you're doing and believes in you and kind of like, I want to get on this train. Right. Roll. Lastly, honesty. <laughs> right. Honesty, I think, is huge for men. Men, men. men can't sleep. That's not that's not a comfortable pillow if if you don't know up from down. Right. Okay. Um two more two more questions and we out of here. Most deaf, most deaf. Okay, so now for for couples that are married, yeah. how do they get past unforgiveness? Ooh. Yeah, how do they get past unforgiveness? I think, right. I mean, it's it's not something you can get past until you do the work of, of forgiveness. I, I do believe that couples, if you have the resources to do so, uh, number one, you, you should always be in couples counseling, mm -hmm. right? And you may change the, the rhythms based on where you're at, right. months a month, once a quarter. And then both of you, if you have the resources to be in individual counseling, right. because forgiveness is about someone and their own faith. Yeah. On the other on the other side, if that person has uh, has asked for forgiveness, mm -hmm. has apologized, and then is actually taking steps with accountability to move forward, right. now it's the rest is it's on you right. to make the decision, and then ultimately because here's the thing, forgiveness doesn't take away the pain. Mm -mm. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you don't have to. You're not dealing with forgiveness. Means like I'm choosing not to hold this over your head, right? Right. And so I think some for some people they are not emotionally mature or healed enough to do it, which is why I say you need to have individual counseling. The next thing I'll say is that, um, which is underused, is that you need to have a couple mentor. Mm -hmm. So not just a counselor, but like couples that y'all get together, y'all do that, but y'all have told them we give y'all license. If things get, if things, the static start going up, <laughs> y'all could come in right. and coach us up. And then we, you giving us license to check us and that we have to listen to what you guide us. Boom. To. And I, I think love that. we don't have enough couple mentors where you got somebody, yo, I'm going to tell you this quick thing, bro. There was a dynamic growing up. There was one one of our family friends. Oh my god, bro! Before you say it, bro, I literally was about to say this because I said this yesterday yeah. on my live. Yesterday, I was talking about how that people need people that can come into the household because my parents would have disagreements and they would bring bro, them in you, and they'd be sitting in the living room yo. for six, seven hours having conversations till they fixed Finished. it. Bro, I, I was literally about to. T yo, I remember it was a Saturday, fam. It was a couple that was in there argument. Upstairs, kids is outside. Broom. The men all went to one room. It started the men in one, the women in one room. All of them together, they hashed that thing out. Other people's was checking that woman, checking that guy. The the village. It's a village. The village kept them accountable. Right. The village was like this. We don't have that anymore. We do not have that anymore. We need it, bro. We need it. So I believe in even when you first start, don't wait till things hit the fan. Right. Shoes. It's, it's almost good. like godparent, god godmother, godfather. You're like, yo, y'all are couple mentors. Yeah. Up front, we give you license. We're not gonna cut you off if we say something. We give you license to check us. Right. That's gonna be Ooh. that's gonna hold you. Ha. Huh. That's good stuff, bro. Yeah. I promise you that's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yo, I, I'm that I say that, yo, but all I'm gonna tell you, all the guests we had here have been amazing, right? Yeah. And there's a part two coming to everybody like yeah. that I've sat with. Yeah, we because gotta do. It's, it's always gotta be a part two. Yeah. Because there's so much more to unpack as we go along. What makes you an unconventional Christian? Man. Because I uh because I follow an unconventional savior. Mm. I believe in the one that people thought was supposed to come on chariots, but he came on a donkey. Mm. I believe in the one who they thought they was going to overthrow the Roman government, but they overthrew him on a cross. Death on a cross of all things, the most shameful thing. 
I'm unconventional because he's made me uniquely, wonderfully made brother, sister, brother. I, I'm made uniquely. I've, I, the tears that I've cried, the things and experience that I have, the vessel that he's given me, the brokenness. Uh, I am like nobody else. I'm a one of one. You're a one of one. And I see the things that bother me don't bother everybody the same. Right. And so I feel I'm unconventional because I'm unwilling to take unconventional means to solve problems. I've always been a problem solver from business to like. And so I think, oh, at the core, what makes me an unconventional Christian is that I follow an unconventional savior. And I pray each day with every single opportunity I have, I could live more and more like him. And so if I can do that, then I think that by definition makes me an unconventional Christian. Whoa. And as we wrap, our rapid question, um, yeah. rapid question ending to our um, show today is, yeah. I'm going to shoot some questions and you just shoot them back <laughs> I got, real quick. I got. Old Testament, New Testament. Dang, both. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. I cannot. I cannot. Word, both. Ah, Pounded Yam or Ebba? Pounded Yam. Lakers or Brooklyn this year? Lakers. No, no. Uh, Lakers. I got to go with that. Oh. I got to go with that. Uh, David or Abram? Abram. <sighs> King David. Yes, sir. And favorite biblical character and why? Oof. Man, that's so difficult. And we can't <laughs> use Jesus? <laughs> you can use whoever. Brother, man. Ah, uh, man. Uh, Jesus, man, because he loved to break bread. He was able to connect with everybody. And he was the best communicator of all time. Mm. He was able to tell stories in ways that captured people. And even when people walked away, he was still able to, about, to be about his father's business. And so I... I Man, that's not a cop-out, but uh, Jesus for me. Nah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. Bro, Brother Lawrence, I'm telling you, it's a part two to this, man. Yo, it's man, so much I'm, more. I'm, I'm, we were just starting to warm up. up. I was like, yo, we, we stopping, bro? Up, <laughs> <laughs> my G, my, oh my G, God. my G, I my G. I appreciate you. Ah. Yo, thank y'all for tuning <laughs> to another episode of the Unconventional Christian Podcast. And once again, see y'all at the next episode. That's my guy, Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, salute. Love. Thank you, good brother, man. God bless you.